honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hey, I'm Susan Boyle, and I just recorded my episode for the Women's in Sneaker Season for the Strange On Purpose podcast. I'm just like, I, I like to pay attention to everything and I will pinpoint. I, I have the best follow-up questions. So if there's some weird oh, ones, I apologize. Now you're scaring me. Now you're scaring me. <laughs> um, but I, I do have one question. And it's like to the beginning, beginning, like you started in 2007, which historically was a terrible, terrible time. Which was a terrible time and I lasted. <laughs> I know. Everyone gave me three months. They're like, yeah. And that's what I want to dig into. So I just love to know, like, one, like, what was going through your head during that time? And then what was going through your head, like, throughout that time? And then how did you continuously grow from there? I was in a sneaker store at that time, believe it or not. So that's the crazy. I mean, should I start talking? Is yeah. yeah. Talking? Should I start talking? <laughs> <laughs> um, so 2007, I wasn't, um, I worked for Michael K in Soho, Transit and Michael K, which is back then, which is, I guess, would be equivalent to KIF today right? Because we didn't have social media. And Jaime Kedney was one of the biggest, him and um, Udi, who had training camp. They were like the biggest, biggest um, sneaker giants in the industry. And Jaime had transit and had, it looked like an old subway train. So he had one of the biggest sneaker stores and everyone shopped there. Clark Kent shopped there, um, every rapper shopped there, um, Buster Rhymes used to come in, I mean, everybody was there. And he had this new store called Michael K that was 22,000 square feet. And he had shopping shops, he was the first man to put in shopping shops. And I was bought on board, I knew Jaime for years and I grew up with him, and yeah, and um, I was bought on board to run all the buyers and the shopping shops. And he had literally, I don't know, maybe uh, 7,000 square foot well, no, no, maybe no, maybe it was 3,000 square foot Nike shop downstairs. The Nike would do crazy events in, and we had a North Bay shop where you had a shower that you went in and literally got, you wore Gore-Tex and you got totally drenched in water and came out. So I came from that. So I came from the big sneaker industry and my, my background is very strong in apparel and outerwear, but I wore sneakers. So, and then of course, working at Michael K, the crazy stuff that was happening then. And I was there probably, um, probably nine, probably I'm trying to think years, probably 2003 around there um, to 2006. So maybe 2002. Um, And that sneaker, sneakers were exploding. You know, we had the Air Forces that that were $2,000 that were, you know, I think they were, um, either alligator or something in this box and that we had and he had crazy sneakers so not only did I love sneakers but now I have access to them I would hide a lot of them my desk can get in trouble um, like <laughs> I need those <laughs> you know? yeah. and, and it became a thing like I need like I don't I need those I have to take those you know and, um, and that's where my whole craziness with the industry came in 
with, I love sneakers, but now I have access to the world of sneakers. And back then you could do um, Adidas, not Adidas, I'm sorry, Asics. You could do collaborations with Asics. You could do 72, pe 72 pieces and color anything you wanted. So I worked very closely, we had an LRG shop, and I would be like, you know, I'm bringing in that giraffe, you know, sure, can we do a sneaker that goes to it? And um, the buyer would sit there um, and he would actually color it in and like work with another guy. And we'd end up next thing you know, you know, 12 weeks, 14 weeks later, I had in my hand a shoe that matched, you know, the zebra shirt. Or, you know, the Olympics were coming and I needed, you know, a red, white, and blue one, or I needed, you know, a gold one, and they would be able to do that. So can you be amazed that like 72 pieces is how you used to get a collaboration back then? Damn, that's crazy. Yeah. So it was an interesting time. So 2007, mm -hmm. you I, obviously not the best of times to start anything at that point. And we feel I, everything is leading, uh, everything is opening the door to 2007, almost running parallel with 2020 uh, without a pandemic, but in regards to what's going on, um, right. in regards so, to retail, I should say. Right. So 2006 wasn't so bad, you know, right? Okay. 2006 yeah. is when I started thinking that I was working for Michael K for five years. I've done all the shopping jobs. We've done all the events and everything. And I understand the whole thing about doing these small shops because I had 15 shops of my own from LRG to Sean John back then to um, a t-shirt bar to a, I had a vintage bar. So I had all these shops and shops um, that we rotated and changed out and um, kind of saw that the small shops had like a very focused, it was very focused on the consumer. And some people would go to the LRG shop and never hit the French connection shop. You know, they were just, bypass it. So something turned in me about the smaller boutique and I came from boutique. I came from, I came from the jeans world. I came from like the, uh, I guess you would say like the Jimmy Jazz and the Dr. J's of the world. I worked for a company called LTR and it was huge. Um, and I kind of liked the smallness of a boutique and I was very honest with the owner and said, um, you know, I think I want to do a boutique. And he said, oh my God, you're going to sell your soul because it's 24 seven. You don't understand. I'm like, ah, I work for you. It's 24 seven anyway. <laughs> so I found, I started looking at neighborhoods. I looked at Williamsburg at the time and actually I'm glad I didn't do Williamsburg because I probably would have been priced out because, mm -hmm. um, back then nothing was there but vintage stores. And I was just like, everybody was just smoking cigarettes and having coffee and going to vintage stores. So I was like, mm, I don't see sneaker people here. So I went to Carroll Gardens and Bourne Hill and I sat and I watched, um, kind of looked at the neighborhood and saw that there was some really interesting um, spaces. And I thought I could do, you know, I had Gowanus Projects around, I had Fulton Street with like crazy amount of like all craziness and I thought it would be a good place to look. So I, I said, let me do a little boutique, got a store, wasn't a lot of money back then, rent was okay. And I said, I'm going to open up a boutique. I didn't think I was going to get sneakers because it was very hard to get Nike. It was very hard to get sneakers back then, even, you know, not as hard as now, but it was hard back then. So I opened up doing apparel. And then three months later, I got Nike. And when I got Nike, everything switched. Nice. Yeah. I think I had Reebok before Nike. So I had Reebok and I had Creative Rack, if you remember those people, back then. I, that was, sounds so familiar. 
uh, creative rec was like the beginning of sneaker boutique lines. So they did, um, they were based out of LA and they did these really like cool high tops and everybody was trying to get them and they didn't sell to that many sneaker stores. And so creative rec was one of the first people I had. And then I did Reebok because Reebok's like, Hey, we'll sell you soon. We know you. And then I got Nike. And when I got Nike, the world changed. Hmm. And that's when I was like, yay. <laughs> it was I definitely did like have a time. pair of the creative Rec. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> What was what was foot traffic like during those times? Like 2007, 2008? Like 2007, I opened up. I opened up in December. It was okay. You know, it's like I opened up. I'm like, oh, this is easy. This is cool. Came February, March, uh, going into 2007. I was like 2008. I was like, oh my god, what the hell did I just do? And I was a retailer, so that was always the thing behind me. I was always a retailer, so I was able to hold on and um, work with vendors. You know, I had a Stussy account. I had an Obey account back then. Um, I had Burton. So um, I had Montclair, which was crazy. So, you know, think about it. Like I was selling $1,000 jackets. Back, back then, Montclair was like $7.95 and $8.95, which was like the highest jacket was $12.95. So I was selling things like that. And that gave me the ability, you know, you sell two Montclair jackets. It's a good day for a little boutique. You know, without, we're talking without sneakers, we're talking, you know, 12, 13 years ago. So that as a retailer, I was able to swap out goods. I was able to like do a little magic to keep my store running. And they wanted to keep their stores running because they wanted boutiques alive. So that was the interesting part. They wanted us to survive because if we were going, and just like now too, I think you're going to see that too in the industry. The brands need certain stores to survive and they're going to need certain boutiques to survive because there's the energy there. Mm-hmm. So you take away the energy, you end up with footlockers and champs and, and, and it becomes a very dull world. So the brands have it in their capacity to keep you alive and keep you running or not. And everyone liked me and they knew it was an adventure. And because I was doing boutique world, they were kind of like, it was an interesting concept. Like not a lot of people were doing boutique world. It was all chain stores and they wanted to see me succeed. So they helped and we helped each other. So I sold, they sold. And I managed to hold on and then things slowly changed. Do you want to introduce yourself to anybody who's listening right now and uh, what you do and why do you do it? Okay. Um, So my name is Susan Boyle. Um, I owned Rhyme for, I was the first, um, one of the first boutiques, sneaker boutiques. And I was one of the first women boutiques. Um, being a woman owner, I should say, not a women's boutique. I was a woman owner that catered to a, a, a woman owner of a male sneaker store that catered to women. That's how I like to put it because, um, we're not supposed to be in the game. Girls are not supposed to be in the game period. So, um, I opened up my boutique and being a girl, everyone thought I'd be gone in a year, gone, you know, like, Oh my God, everyone thought it was my husband's store. Everybody thought it was, um, I had a son. Everyone thought like I had somebody got me into the game and I was like, you know, my husband is not a sneakerhead. I have a daughter. Like, like everything about me, I wasn't a sports girl. So everything about me was wrong. And like, they're like, how can you own the store? But I had a passion for the sneakers. And what, what makes me tick with the sneakers is they make me happy. And that's the way I've always put it. Um, they, there's something that elicits a response in me. I wear them. I love the more colorful ones, the better. I'm always in black or like I'm very muted in color. I'm like anti-fashion, but like when it comes down to my kicks, they pop. Um, 
So I decided to do a sneaker boutique and I started to do a lot of things in the market where women were not getting their voices heard. And because I'm a talker, um, I kind of made sure that my voice was heard and I was not afraid to be the only woman in the room. So often I was the only woman in the room at, you know, whether we went to a game changer or to, you know, a conference with Nike or something. I was always like the only woman. People always thought I was somebody's significant other. I was like, no, I own the store. And they were like, yeah, it's your husband. I'm like, no, it's me. Um, so it was a very weird time because people were looking at us like, okay. And then um, I had the store for 12 years. I recently closed it um, in December. In retrospect, I'm actually a little bit glad that I don't have a store right now. Um, but I miss it. You know, I'm not going to lie. I miss it. I miss the energy. I miss everything about it. But the game had totally changed. And as much as everybody say they're supporting women, I wasn't supported for 12 years. So as much as I should have been for women's, for the women's industry, they always went to the boys. So I was kind of, they, I was always like that, like the kid sister that you forgot about. Like, oh yeah, Ryan. Oh, oh yeah, we should have did that. We should have did the event with Ryan. Oh, wow. And it kind of was like, you know, and then I didn't get as, as much attention with the women's industry as I wanted to back then. Um, and I don't think the brands know what to do with the women in the industry. I really don't. Like, they're still dabbling. Like, we should have been far, more, much further ahead now. Would you say that's because of a lack of, like, leadership, women leadership? No, I think, well, I think it's, I think it's because the brand's not allowing more women and women of color as well into the spaces. They, it, it's a boys' locker room, and they really, really don't want us there. They might have to appease us and be there. And the only reason the industry now is taking notice is because it's generating money. And they see that it's generating money. So as long as it generates money, they'll allow us in. So that's where I think it comes to a different play. I think, um, I think there's not enough women in the industry. I think there's not enough women owners. I don't think there's a lot of women in high places, you know, in high positions in the brands. You know, they, they're usually like, they, like, they'll bring out women every now and then like, oh, this is our new salesperson or this is, but you don't see that many um, of the women in the top executive seats. Maybe now things will change with everything happening. Maybe things will change. Yeah. And you don't see women of color either. So, you know, it's, it's bad enough. You don't see men of color, but you don't even see women of color either. So I think women of color have a harder, even a harder time. So one of the things I wanted to do is break through those channels and break the, break the doors open for some women, all women, you know, um, because I don't think we're looked at taken seriously in the industry. I'm going to ask this question now, even though I said I would ask it later, but uh, in 2015, you're on an, you had an interview with Dunk360 okay. and um, you, you said that you wanted, you wanted more women to be able to collaborate, kind of like what you just said uh, before this. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously this interview was in 2015. So do you feel as if anything's changed since 2015? I think it has changed to some degree. I do think that there are allowing women to collaborate. Um, they're allowing, but 
to me, it hasn't changed all that much. And it'll start with the whole conversation that we're going to go back to sports. Let's just like, I think they're using it as influencers to sell product, but not for the real reasons. It shouldn't be just to sell product. And I love that Gabby and Liz have shoes. I love that they have shoes. Um, But I would love to have seen um, Serena Williams have a tennis shoe. Why doesn't she have a Stan Smith line with Adidas? Uh, it, it blows my mind that this woman has not been given like a Jordan in tennis. Every, first of all, she has fashion. She's a powerhouse. She's a role model. She's, she's everything. So how are you not doing a shoe line with her? First a basic one. And then like the collaborations you can do off of her with all her craziness and even like having her sister and her dual, like dual shoes. Like there's so many things that could have been done with her. And the fact that nothing, like Stan Smith's is every single person. Stan Smith's has its ups, its downs, its lows, its highs, but it's a constant, it's an iconic shoe at Adidas. So why isn't that? Why doesn't, why doesn't she have a shoe? And why when she does make a shoe with Nike, it has to have her adult's name on it. Why couldn't that woman get her own shoe? Were they afraid she wasn't going to sell it? Were they, um, they, they had to put Virgil's name on it to raise up the value of the shoe? He has a shoe. We know he sells. We know that it's going to be, you know, go for $1,000 and over and 2000 But her shoe could have been this iconic shoe that she could have did by herself with her own fashion and her own flair. I could just imagine even doing like tennis outfits that matched and headbands and like ponytail, like it was endless. The money they could have made off of her and made with her and would have been such a good thing for the market. And that's where I feel that the market has not changed. Like you're taking, she should have a brand like Jordan and why not? And that's what I don't understand. Retweet. Every woman would have bought that shoe. You would have had real, and Nike could have did it technical. So you could have had the tech piece that went, like that every girl who played tennis would have wore across the board. You know, plain white came with crazy color sneaker laces or whatever. And then you could have then did like one with like that orange hit or, you know, a leopard hit or something. Like you could have made collaborations and different shoes for the next five years easily. And they all would have sold. Exactly. What was that tweet? Um, I forget what it was. Like she's beaten like 18. Uh, Do you see that? 18 out of like 23 or something like that. Other three retired and the fourth person remaining is her. Like she's beaten everybody. Like and she's a beast. Does, and how does she not have a shoe? Mm-hmm. How does she not have a line like yep. that is dedicated to her? How, mm-hmm. She's more iconic than most men. Mm-hmm. And then, and then she had a baby too. She could have like eaten off of that too and made a baby kick, you know, to go like, you know, be legit. I actually just read that. Uh, the, I think it's the soccer. I think it's the NWSL. Uh, it's a soccer, a women's soccer league mm-hmm. and Serena. And I, I believe her name is Olympia, her daughter. Um, right they're both investors in it. Like the Olympia is an, an investor yeah. in that. And like all that, like they do everything together, even like her pictures, everything, like, like you said, it could, everything could have sold. Everything could have sold. And it would have been, and you would have made it also too, you would have put Adidas a little bit when, yeah, there was like, what it was about three years ago when Adidas, when um, Stan Smith were on fire, every girl was wearing them. And like, mm-hmm. it became like that. Oh my God, too many people are wearing it. And Adidas had to like pull it, put it, pull it back because it was just like everywhere, everywhere was on the street. So 
with that being said, Nike could have came and gave the Stan Smith a run for its money and would have had, and they also would have shown that they believed in a woman, that they believed that a, a woman could have a brand and be as successful as Jordan. You know, just because it's tennis, it didn't matter that it's tennis. She has a right in her own field and girls wear tennis sneakers. Let's face it. Like you're not, what the market doesn't understand is that when you sell to women, you're not only selling to one particular girl. So we have the girls that are like, you know, that are wear like a Jordan and everything, but girls have different days. Some days we want to look like a tomboy. Some girl, some days we want to look girly. Some days we want to look very muted. Some days we have that sneaker just for the rain. You know, like we're those girls. So if you had a sneaker that was a tennis sneaker, I guarantee you would have hit the gamut for everybody. It would have been that one shoe that hit everybody. Almost like a, like a Converse or like, you know, um, mm -hmm. like something like that that would have just been this, or like a, a white Air Force One. Yep. You know? I think brands are like aware, aware of like this, this mistake, aware of like all of these problems that they're doing, things that they're not doing, or is men it just are, like, no, men or they just don't care because- no, men, are, men are running it and they never look at a female per perspective of it. So they may ask a few girls and stuff, but like you need that. I used to do a lot of focus groups with girls mm. and women and, you know, we talk about it and like they would be blown away at what they were getting out of my girls when they sat down in a focus group. I would ha and I would do the gamut. I would have a sneakerhead girl. I would have a girly girl. I would have a, you know, a girl that was a tomboy. I had the full gamut of what everybody was. It was, it was like, it was also like the United Nations. Everybody was different, came from different backgrounds and everything. Um, because we're New York. That's what it is. We're a melting pot. We're one. And um, it was, everybody had a different point of view, but you want to know something? Everybody gravitated towards similar shoes. And there was always one or two in the bunch that like, someone would pick up and say like, oh my God, this is like a very Japanese style. Like, you know, this is definitely influenced by Japan. Or someone else would be like, oh, this is, you know, this is like that that shoe that I would wear at my Lululemon and something like that. So you really have like this gamut, but they need to listen and they need to understand that like you're not selling just to a sneaker head girl and and Nordstrom's have been good at doing that they've been trying to figure it out but it's still department store they still don't get it totally you know um they, they can't buy like a boutique can yeah you know I bought um the, how I got into the girls business um women's business was I wore the sneakers and we got an opportunity back then. We're talking like 2008, right? Phones were really big, right? So I wanted the electric blues and they, we had them on order that we were getting them like they were releasing in February or something during All-Star Week or something. And I was like, oh, I need them. And I'm like, do they make them in a six and a half? And everyone's like, no, 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 Sue, you don't want to buy that six and a half because it's not going to sell. No one's going to buy it. You should put your money into the 10 or 10 and a half. Like you have allocation on it. Why would you waste your money on the six and a half? Because I, I want them. And they're like, everyone laughed. Everyone's like, you're going to rock them? And I'm like, yeah, what's wrong with that? They're like, you may not even get them because we're probably not going to make them. We'll probably do only grade school. Um, I put them on the order anyway. I put a six, six and a half and a seven because I didn't know what size I would fit in them because I never had them. So I put all three sizes down. I got put three pairs down and they came in. I literally had the six and a half on and they fit great. And I was like, oh my God, these are so cool. That my, my guys were laughing at me like, oh, okay, Sue, here you go. You're rocking them, you're rocking them right? <laughs> Girl walks in and said, I'll give you 350, 400, 450. What do you want for those shoes? 
I go, watch, because I've never seen them ever in a six and a half. I go, what do you mean? I'm like, they're, back then I think they were 2.30. And um, I said, what do you mean? She's like, I went to grade school. They're like perfect. They're like the real ones. They don't like, they look, they have the right box. Everything is right about them. And I said, well, they release on Friday, so you can come in on Friday and get them. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, well, I'll figure out. I'll take the seven or something. And believe it or not, I actually sold every single pair of the smaller sizes on that release date. And that's when I started to, because she told a friend and then someone else told a friend. And then all the girls started saying, what's next colorway coming in? And I felt that it was my duty to sell it to them more than to keep it because I had a sneaker collection. And I was like, okay, I'll get the next color or whatever. And that's how I built my female clientele. I was all male. I had a lot of male sneakers. I had women's clothing and a few things, but and I had some Reebok. But that's where the whole thing came in, that girls want things that guys don't know we want. Mm. And that's where it came from. That's where the whole thing started coming in, that I started to buy anything I could get my hands on in small sizes. Because I also had female employees. So they were also like, oh, I need those. Make sure you put in my size. You know? And that was the thing. Then we started getting a lot of... Um, girls coming in and then we also had girls coming in with their boyfriends which was you know they'd walk in and they're like wait you got stuff for me or the guy would be like show those show those I want to kick up her game you know and next thing we know the girls had a better collection than the guys did yeah but the market doesn't really know that they're not listening going back to boutique and starting one and Obviously, you went about it in a different way from the stories that you have told right now. But obviously, if I were to start a boutique right now, community is probably number one, like in the top three things that you need to have. How did you go about building a community that was going to support you for 12 years? So I came from a, I came from sneaker culture. So I came from Michael K in Transit that had already had a sneaker culture. And I took one of the guys with me from Michael K. And I took another kid with me and who both like, you know, one of the guys will, Frankie worked for me for a lot of years. And he said, he asked me one day, he goes, why don't you open up a store? And I said, funny you should say that. And he goes, and we did the Jerry Maguire thing. He's like, I have the goldfish, I'm ready. (laughs) So he goes, let's go. And I took him with me and that was part of it because people knew him, people knew me and people just started, we would have people come in and just talk sneakers and to the day I closed, that was one of the things you could always do at Rhyme was sit down and talk about like releases and old school, like what do you have? And that was what, what was about. And that was why I went to the bigger location in Brooklyn was to do that, to try to bring back the culture. But I don't know if you can bring back the culture right now. I really don't. I really tried. I tried to do parties and, and it's, it, it became so weird. People don't care about the culture. They care about the flipping. And it's all about the flipping. And it's not about why you want that. What's the attachment to that shoe? These kids, half the kids never even saw Jordan play. So like, they don't even Mm -hmm. know. And like, I remember when Patrick Ewing came out, we were with, um, we were one of the five stores. It was me, Kiff, Extra Butter, Packers, and West. We were the five stores that had it. And it was such a unique way of how we released the shoes with Patrick Ewing. They released it, me at 10 o'clock, Kiff at 12 o'clock, um, West at one and ended uh, butter and then ended up at um, West and then it ended up at Packers where Packers had U- Ewing signing. Some kids didn't even know who Patrick Ewing was. We had kids going, do you have the Ewings? 
are those Ewings in? I was like, what? Or like, no, you don't know who they are. You don't. You can't even pronounce the man's name. You can't get that shoe. Like I was, I was sometimes sneaker Nazi because I <laughs> at my store. I'm like, you don't know the name. Like you cannot call them E wings. Like no, go. <laughs> I'm gonna start saying that. That is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's the thing. Like you can't say that they're E wings and want to expect me to sell you that shoe. Um, and, and honestly, there are sometimes that I would take the shoe and and not allow someone to get the shit. And like, I sometimes call the, the sneaker Nazi because- It sounds like a Star Wars like fighter or something. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, like with like with the Seinfeld thing with the soup guy, like no soup for you. I was like, yeah. that's <laughs> um, It became really funny because I was just like, I tried to hope that the people who love, who love the industry and who love the sneakers, and I knew who you were, um, got what, it got harder and harder and then it became raffles and then it became bots and then it became like, it was just harder and harder to do that and like keep the community. Because to me, if I have, let's say if I got a hundred pairs or something, I should have been, I should be allowed to sell that to whoever I want. It mm-hmm. should not be dictated at all. It shouldn't be, I have to do a raffle. It shouldn't be that I, it's the guy who's supporting my store. It's the guy who comes in every Saturday. That's what sneaker culture was about. It's the guy who came in or the kid who came in with his mom and would go, mom, they got those, they got those. Like, oh my God. And the excitement for that kid and the mom saying, oh my God, I I got $200, you know? And like, but he got that one pair and he went home and like he took the toothbrush and he cleaned it and everything. Now, it's like you have to follow this protocol of how you have to release the sneakers. And is that kid from Guanas getting that sneaker? The, the mom coming in with that kid who had that, that, you know, may not have, you know, the $1,000 to buy that shoe, but they have the $200 to buy that shoe, which is what the t- shoe costs. So that's what used to get me a little bit. That's where my passion comes in the business too. It was just, I wanted that kid to get that shoe, but it made it harder and harder. And they, then they start giving you less and less. So how do you support your store? You can't live on releases only. You just can't. Mm-hmm. So you have to have the person who comes in every weekend and who talks about sneakers and who buys a pair of Air Forces and who wants a pair of 95s. And you have to have that like, oh, you don't have to line green 95s? Like, you know, the kid's like, I never saw those. And then you start the conversation up. Yeah, I was a singer-songwriter for, for a long time. You know, and if you look at like musicians, like any musician, doesn't matter what, what genre, like you've got underground they start up you know and then you've got like that cult following and then when they pop like everything changes and those the cult followings like oh my god like i don't fuck with you anymore like things have changed like some of them at least and then some people just appreciate the music some people are just there because there's hype around it do you think there's any is any going back or is it just going to stay like hey i've got the most money so i'm going to get this like it's all about it's all about the flip or is it ever going to go back I think everything with like Instagram and it's like, look at me, look what I have, look where I am. And you know, even when you look at TikTok and everything, it's like, look what I'm doing, look what I have and you don't. And I think that's part of the problem. I think back then in the sneaker culture, you had like a group of kids that hung out together and like, you would see them all wearing the same Jordan. They all went and got it that day, right? So they all have it on and nobody cared. But now it's like, oh man, you got those on now. I got the whites on. Like it's, it almost makes like, do you like the shoe because you like the shoe or do you like the hype around the shoe and the value that that shoe has? Because that shoe's a thousand dollars, you know? Are, are you like with the SB Dunks that just came out, the, the Grateful Dead, do you like that shoe? Do you even know who the Grateful Dead is? I guarantee most of the people don't even know who they are. I don't right? like that shoe. Huh? I do not like that shoe. I think they're hideous. <laughs> so, so I love the orange because orange was my store color. And, <laughs> and I know who the Grateful Dead are. And I know the Teddy Bear and I have tie-dye shirts I could go right back to. It. So. 
you know, but, but most of the kids don't know it. And why is that shoe on StockX for $3,700? Yeah. And it's like, you don't even know who that is. Like, it's not like when you went and got the lobster SBs, you know, they came in the, you know, with the box and the, you know, the, the lobster thing and everything. That, that's different. Okay, that was a novelty. But this Grateful Dead show, you don't even know who they are. It, exactly. And, and so, it's like, so where, where's the culture behind it? Like, that shoe should have been a sleeper shoe. It should have, honestly, to me, it should have been like, all well, the deadheads got it. Like, it shouldn't even been a kid shoe. Like, it should have been something like, you know, like all those like 60s guys got it, you know? Yeah. Like, something they put in their shop and they're like, oh, my God, you know? And then exactly. they're probably not even sneakerheads, you know? So that's where I kind of feel like the industry has changed a lot. People don't want to talk about sneakers. They don't. You know, I've had a lot of OG guys that would come in and we'd talk about, you know, kicks and stuff. And that's part no. of the fun on a Saturday. One guy's like, oh my God, my wife's going to kill me. You know, and there are guys that come into the store every, you know, all the time and see me. And the wife would be like, okay, his birthday's here. Can you pick out a pair of shoes for him? Because I know he's picked out something, you know. <laughs> or they'd hide him in the trunk so the wife wouldn't see when they came into the store. Or we would like divert her and say, look at these new shoes that Sue got in. And like, bring those up, bring those up, you know. <laughs> and it's not about the culture as much anymore, which is kind of sad. It's about the money. Yeah. And how do you bring it back? So, so you, many things, which is so sad. I'm sorry, continue. No. Uh, so like one of the, the coolest projects that after researching you uh, that you worked on was your um, project with Reebok, the She, she Certified uh, project. Yeah, I think they canceled that program and now put it into something else. Because like, it took so long. So yeah. I think like, She Certified is what we we did. And then afterwards, I think now they call it something else, but it, it Do you want to go into what she certified was a little bit? She certified was, so me and Danny Jones and, um, Kyle, um, he was a sales manager at the time. We were talking about like women's shoes and like how everybody, you know, Reebok would do all of a sudden like a pump and everybody would get a pump to do. So concepts would do it. Everybody would get one. And I was like, so can I get on the list? And they're like, um, no, you're not on the list. I'm like, why am I not on the list? I'm one of the five critiques. Like, why am I not on the list? I was never on the list. And they were like, well, maybe you should do a woman's shoe. And I was like, I was haunting and hedging. I really didn't want to do so strictly a woman's shoe, but I wanted to get in any which way I could to open that door. So we said yes. So I missed the whole pump. I missed like two shoes. They went through two shoes by the time they finally let me do one. And it was a ventilator. And I could have probably also did, I probably could have did the 5411. And looking back now, I was being really defiant because I didn't want to do the 5411 because it was such a woman's shoe. But now yeah. looking back, I really wish I did the 5411 um, <laughs> because it's something a man couldn't do. Yeah. So I'm like, now in retrospect, that is. And the reason I did the ventilator is because everybody was doing a ventilator. And I kind of felt that if I did the 5411, they were excluding me from doing the ventilator uh, everybody else was doing. So it was like, it was very hard. Um, so I wanted to come up with a concept and I wanted to do something very different. And I'm, I'm all about crazy glam brightness. I want your kicks to pop. So that's always been my thing. It's like, I don't want to just do a plain black shoe. Like I don't want to color the shoe. I wanted to do something that meant something. Um, I was in the parking lot um, and I had a bottle, I was got a case of water and my diamond ring, um, my diamond popped out of my ring and I was freaked. I'm like, oh my God, where's my diamond? And I found it in the parking lot glistering. 
in the parking lot, just like shining, like, oh, you know, <laughs> that moment. And um, it was kind of crazy. And I was like, wow, and I got to put it in my pocket. And I started thinking, I'm like, damn, I would love a shoe that would do that on the street level. Like, and I started talking to them that I wanted to do a diamond ventilator. And they thought I was absolutely insane. And I started doing just, they, they only give you, they give you one sample at first. And we started coloring it and doing it. And then they sent me fabrics and everything. And we picked out everything. And I wanted to, to have 3M on it. So it you know, kind of glowed. And um, we kind of did this one shoe, like, and it had a million different um, prototypes on it. Like a little million different things, like the, the lace lock, the you know the agulets, everything had something in it. The silk inside the shoe. Um, I wanted a, a a clear bottom, you know that like I wanted it to look like a diamond and like a silver or a platinum band. And then um, we 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 had actually they thought it was the craziest thing because I literally had tabs on every every part of the shoe, like a like a sticky tab, and we then had a a sheet that matched the sticky tab, like the red sticky tab is for the 3M. You know, this is for like the silver, uh, this is for the laces. And then I took a rhyme sticker and I put it on the bottom of the shoe, just so they knew it was my shoe. And it went through that way, which was kind of crazy. Oh. So when I got the sample back, it had rhyme on the underneath. And in orange, and I was like, oh, I'm not saying nothing about that. That's perfect. Let's see if it goes <laughs> And it was actually one of the first times they were ever, that they ever had somebody's actual name on the shoe. Wow. Like, it's never been, like, it's always been packaged around it, or the inside or that. And we had an orange inside, and um, we launched it. They wouldn't give me a box. That was one of the biggest things. We, I What we rebought tooth and nail, I wanted, because I think packaging is everything. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so we put it in like nice paper. We had two laces. We had, um, I did actually a certificate that came with it. That was like, when you got your diamond, you get a certificate. It says the weight, the weight was the size, the clarity was the color. So it had this certificate with it and it was numbered. Um, and it came in the box with it. It came with a diamond keychain, and it came with a pair of socks. Oh, orange, orange, yeah, and it came like so. And but so, I really wanted, I was really trying to get them to do me do it just a clear box or like a very opalescent box, and they wouldn't do it. So, they said boxes, we just didn't have the time or whatever. So, that was one of the things that didn't happen with it. And, um, the thing was, it ran a little big, and I probably could have skewed it a little bit more to the smaller sizes. But I have guys buying it. I still have friends, guys who have it and everything. And it did nicely. It was in People Magazine. And it was on a few other things. And um, But they didn't promote it mm. at all. At all. It was just my shoe. Where Puma, like, promoted it and helped me and got it out there and did a crazy launch party where they turned my store gold. And I had a gold Puma outside. And they did my back room and all in gold encased in the shoe was like sitting there. And then they had these gold things on the wall that looked like the shoes were breaking out of like the cages. It was like, it was amazing. Puma did a really, really, really nice job with my shoe. Nice. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, it's a dream of anybody who's in sneakers. I feel like most of most people 
would like to see one of their silhouettes or one of their ideas come, come to life. And to say that you've done it, I mean, you're one of very few, um, which is really, really cool, especially when we talk about very few women. Um, is there any silhouettes that you're, uh, like that are current that you really like, I really like that shoe. I would, I would love, love to do an MX one. It's, you know, that's my favorite shoe. Air Max yeah. one is like everything. Um, and I would love to be able to do my own Air Max one. You know, that would be something. And I do have, like I do, and I think I'm going to do it somewhere and I don't know where, but there's a shoe I have in my mind that will set the industry on fire if I ever get to do it. And it's a crazy shoe that only a woman could do. And uh, yeah, and I have it all in my head. I have it all down. And it's like, I just need to pull that button somewhere. And if worse comes to worse, I might just talk to some of my friends and we might just do it on our own. So, cause I have a lot of friends who are like doing, I have a lot of friends in the industry who actually made really, really impressive shoes um, and, um, and work for big companies. So there's something that I would really like. I don't know if the world's ready for it yet though. But I think yeah, that's what the world I, needs right now though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would really love to do an Air Max one, but I think the fact that like, I got to tell you with Puma was a really nice experience doing it because what I did was um, I was brought up there to curate the shoe. I wasn't bought, I wasn't um, brought up to do a collaboration at that point. It was just like, why is Nike wedges selling at ours or not? And I flew up to Boston and we had a whole meeting and I bought storyboards and I bought, they're like, Oh my God, who's this girl? Like I came with like, like five different shoes to do. And, um, I worked with the designers and I said, can we get rid of the boys? And we got rid of my kid Frankie and we got rid of um, the sales guy. And we took the girl who was at the reception desk and we brought her in and we were talking about these shoes. And then we ended up with this, the gold shoe. And the, I didn't realize, I was like, I want to put a gum bottom on it. And they were like, it's a very boyish thing. I'm like, no, I want a gum bottom because like, I'm so sick of my white bottoms turning bad and da da da. And yeah. then they bought out all the colors of gum and who knew that gum came in like all those colors like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, you're making me crazy. But you know, um, and then laces, I just sat through like boxes of laces. It was like arts and crafts day. It could have <laughs> been more fun than anything I've ever done. And, and, and that was really fun. And, and they actually went, the girls who were there and the designer that was there, um, um, who also did Rihanna's shoe and who I think now is at Nike and she's at, oh, Jordan. nice. Yeah, she's at Jordan. She's a, she's a good friend. Um, she actually said, I want the shoe to have her name on it because this is her shoe. Like, this is her creation. And, like, we all had a part in it, but this was her vision. And and it did. It sold at Kip. It sold at Kicks, um, Nice Kicks. It sold at, you know, all I, – I shared that shoe with everybody. And everybody took it, and everyone sold it. And they're like – I remember Matt came up to me and said, I can't believe – like, girls bought it. <laughs> like, Wow. You know, wow. so that was like the interesting thing that, you know, I'm not telling you they went through crazy quantities. It wasn't like they all had 500 pairs, but what they had, they sold and people yeah. came in for it. And they were like, oh, and they did the packaging. They did a gold box. We did gold tissue paper. It was done really nice. Damn. Yeah. That's, that's super dope. Yeah. So, so like from start to finish, like that's the other thing. Like you can't, when you do a collaboration, they got to make sure they give you the box too. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, first impressions are everything. And if you're, the first thing you're going to see is the box, obviously. Um, and if, regardless if you've seen the, the shoe on Instagram or anything like that, it, it, once you have it in hand, 
first thing you're going to see is that box. And I, I truly think like some of the best shoes that I have here, it's just, I, I keep the boxes I like, even if they're not hype sneakers, I still keep them like Puma did a collaboration with Motorola so much that Motorola, it looks like the box looks like a razor, like the old school razors. That's so dope to me. I like the, the shoe isn't worth much, but I still have it in there. And I think that's really dope. So, and, and that's the thing about it. It's like, it's, I keep my boxes, especially for like the limited stuff. Like I just keep the original box because that's part of the heritage and part of, I, I think if you're a true collector, you keep the box and let, yeah. even if you wear them, I still put them in the box. Um, but I think that a lot of times they just skip out. Like I, you know, I have, I have a pair of off white, um, the air forces. And I'm like, they're in a regular box. I'm like, yeah. Like it's almost like, really? Like, can they <laughs> in a line box or something like that? Like, I was just like so bummed. I was like, I, 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 like, I was like, wow, I just really never paid attention. I was like bummed, you know, it's like, but yet when you got the, the 750 easies, they came in that big black box. Yeah. I'm like, a box is substantial. I felt like I bought something, you know, I bought something, you know, and they're still in that box, you know, even if I wear them, they go back in the box with the cushion, you know, there's something about that. And and the extra money that it takes a brand to do that is not that much. Right. Exactly. No. So that, that goes to show you where the culture goes. So if if the shoe is that important enough to want to be sold for a thousand dollars or three thousand dollars, why isn't it worth the dollar box? Exactly. Exactly. As a woman in the, in, in the industry with extensive background, um, what's, what's one trait do you think that you think that women need to have to enter in this industry? You got to have a tough exterior. You got to have a tough soul. Like, um, if you know me, I'm really personal. I'm really nice and everything, but I also have a very tough, I'm very tough skinned. Um, I let things slide off me. I don't care what people say. I don't, you know, I don't take heart to like that kind of stuff because you've got to be able to push through because guys are going to say to you that you don't belong here. They're not going to let you in. They're not, you've got to have a voice and you've got to be the loudest voice in the room and you've got to not, you can't hide. You can't be quiet about it. I'm not saying not be professional. I've always been professional, but I've always been professional and stated like, if someone came out with a shoe with a bow, I'm like, are you kidding me? I don't want to wear a bow on my shoe. And they're like, oh, here she goes. And I would go off for 10 minutes about why every guy was like, that's such a cool shoe. And I'm like, yeah, you just gave me a Tiffany box and a bow. Like, thank you. And I don't want to wear that, but I wear that colorway that you guys did, you know? And so I would voice my opinion as a woman. It may not always be right, but I would always voice my opinion as what I saw in the industry. I didn't let other people dictate my voice that i really do what skills would you say you would attribute to like a lot of your success like hard tangible skills um hard tangible skills okay so the first thing i would say is that i'm a workaholic and i have very very strong work that work ethics so even when i work for michael k and my other company um i was the person that would stay the extra hour i became i before my uh michael k i ran a store I was supposed to go to law school and, and go on to college, you know, go off after college. And I was the person that stayed when the buyer left at night and talked to the vendors and make sure the POs got in and did all this. And like, 
the bosses all saw that I was the person that did the extra hours and that when there was a crisis or something going on, I had the answers. I was the person that put it on your desk before it was asked. So I think work ethics are super important. And I think some people lack that these days that they're looking for the easy way out. And I think I always try to talk to my crew that go the extra mile because that's what's going to get you ahead. Be the person that stays an extra two hours or gets that report done before they ask for it or have it on the desk at eight o'clock at night instead of eight o'clock in the morning the next day. So, and I think through that, you're able to shine a little and people can see your strengths. Um, I'm also very, for a woman, I'm confident. I'm not afraid to walk into a room by myself. I'm not afraid to walk into a man's world. And I think that's probably one of the other things. Um, I think those are the traits and that, and then the other thing is I'm honest. That's the other thing too. Be honest. Even if it's bad news, be honest. I, uh, kind of put everything out there. You know, I'm more, um, I try to be as honest as I could in the industry and I tried to be as good as I could. And I never tried to, to hurt people. I didn't bounce goods. I like would, if I couldn't take it in, I would make a phone call and say, I can't take that in. Or, you know, I tried to really be ethical as much as I could in the industry. No, I love that. One of our, one of our old clients, um, he always says like, he would ask like advice to successful people when he was younger and he'd get so mad at them. He's like working hard and mindset does not matter that much. Like I want this and this and this and this, but he said like, now that I'm older and I've gotten there, a lot of it is most of it, not all of it is like, working hard in mindset. So I, I dig that. Yeah. I really think you really got to put in the, you got to pay your dues and not one of us who were in the, who have who had boutiques, not one of us has not paid our dues. So every single person that has a boutique has paid their dues, have worked in the warehouses. But I worked in a warehouse. So I know how to, I know how to do inventory. I know how to pull up, do a pull. I know how to, you know, I know how to do this stuff. I know how to, well, I can organize a basement better than most men. Um, <laughs> so I can condense better than most people. But that's also a thing as an owner. I never asked anybody to do something I wouldn't do. So if I'm in there doing inventory, then you're doing inventory. If I'm condensing, then you're condensing. You know, mm -hmm. and that was, that's where the community, I ran my store like a family. And that's where it comes down to, too. It's, it's, it's having human interaction and really knowing who, you're, who everybody is and having respect for everybody. Not do you have any not do you have any books that um, you would recommend to anybody listening today? Books? Yeah. Hmm. No, I'm more about um, there's probably a million of them. We were actually gonna do a book club, me and one of the sneaker girls. Um, we were gonna do a book club. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I I'm gonna be honest. And when I was working, I was working. Like yeah. I, I would read quickly. Like I became almost like a product of our environment too. Like I'd read a blog really quickly. You know, I'd read like sneaker news or whatever, uh, footwear news. And uh, no, I think the other thing I would tell everybody is follow your passion, follow your heart, because I wouldn't be where I, what I am without my passion, my love, love what you're doing, because I don't care what you're doing. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's working in Starbucks. If you love serving coffee, that's a great thing. Do it with a smile, you know? And if you have the passion, the rest will come. The rest, other things follow. Because you have to have, you can't just do it. I mean, maybe you can do it for money and maybe that's a good way, but it's 
not the right way to live your life. You have to love what you do. Because when you look back at it, it's like, I love doing my sneakers. I loved having my store. It was a different, it's a different chapter, but I loved that part of it. And I loved my customers. And, and you have to love what you do. I'm sure you guys love doing the podcasts. Definitely. It's because you talk for us and I can just listen. So I'm all yeah, about it. Yeah, seriously. You make, you make <laughs> it so, so easy. You know, it's, I, I have a 22 year old, so I, you know, and one of the biggest thing I tell her all the time is, you know, make, do what makes you happy, you know, yeah. like, if, you know, do what, 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 what gets you excited to get up in the morning and go, you know, now that we're not working and we're all working at home, but the fact that would get your, your adrenaline going for the day, you know, there's days I've worked, I, I've worked 12 to 14 hour days. And, and when you have a boutique, it's, it's 24 seven. So if anybody thinks having a boutique and owning a store is easy and, and please note that everybody who has one has gone through ups and downs in their stores and how, you know, you're paying salaries and like, it's not just selling sneakers and you do have to take out that part of it, the love of it and understand some business too. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it doesn't go hand in hand. That's everything too. Like I was a musician, like I said earlier, like, I stopped because I, I didn't want to play like freaking 14 hour days. Like I was not willing to have my fingers hurt, you know, like this, I can do this all day. I'll take the, actually Izzy does all the invoices and things like that. So I appreciate <laughs> that, but I'll take that, you know. Everybody else do that for me too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I don't want to do fun stuff. <laughs> you know, I want to go to launch dates and I want to go to the, the release parties. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I, I agree. You got to be able to eat shit too, you know, because yeah, that's, that's a part of fashion. And it's very hard. And I think of the way that industry has changed so much, there's a point where you go, it's not fun anymore. You know? And yeah. like I say, it's, it's not fun anymore. It's changed so much. Maybe for the other guys, it's fun because, you know, as I say, brands can keep who they want alive and stuff in them. But it, it changed a lot. It, it's just about flipping and like kids coming in that don't, you know, you know with a, with a you know, gold or a platinum American Express card, you know, from daddy. And that's mm-hmm. what it was about. Um, that said, uh, what's next for you? Um, I'm working on a few things. I'm, uh, I'm actually looking for some new opportunities. Um, I took some time off for me, um, which I never knew what that was like. Um, you know, so I'm like refocusing, I guess it kind of coincided with COVID. So it, it kind of worked out okay for me. I don't know. I'm applying to different things, looking at different opportunities. I am working on something with a group of people that we formed um, a collaboration with. I'm working on a charity, maybe starting a charity event because I always did charity. Um, and I always love that about giving back. And I've always wanted to give back to like women in need um, and kids like that to me, is always like my heart. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm doing a lot of, a lot of speaking which is very interesting, which I like to do. Nice. So that, that's actually a good thing for me. So I'd like to mentor a little bit with people and I'm leaving everything really open right now to see where things fall. And I've never been that person because I've always been working, 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 you know, two boutiques, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's kind of nice to slow it down for a minute and take a look, you know, like what I really want to do next. So I'm, I'm open to a lot of different opportunities and looking at different things and dabbling in some other things. And who knows, maybe a shoe will come out. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. I love Could that. Add to my collection. Yeah. <laughs> my small growing collection. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, you know, um, and we are doing something, I'm doing something with a group of people, we're going to do something for Black Lives Matter as well, and um, we're working on something, it's a collective of girls and one man, um, so we're working on something like that too, so we're, we're doing a nice. lot of things, so, you know. Good. And well, I'm still collecting, I got my Jordans on. <laughs> nice. So, those are, if I saw that correctly, those are the tie dyes, correct? Yes. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I, had a, I had a little, you know, guardian, um, godfather who got them for me. So it's just like, nice. you know, so <laughs> I was very excited because I, I, I kind of loved them, you know, they were definitely me. And I was like, you know, those I need. And, and I knew they weren't going to be like something like they were going to go for $3,000. So, you know, I right. like, but I like them. So got for you. Yeah. Good for you. Um, was, I have a question for both of you. What was your last purchase? Mm. Ooh, Q can Ooh, answer that first. Wait, wait. <laughs> Q can answer that first. I just got um oh, these blazers. Oh. Um, and then I don't even know what they're called, but a Converse collab. I don't know what it. Right. Oh. I just got these. Oh, those are sweet. I've been digging into like Japanese culture. Cause like you said, like I just started getting into sneakers and I was like, I don't like hype. I was in music. I just, I despise it. Like I don't like flipping, like I don't mind it, but I don't like flipping culture. I don't like what it's done, but the story behind it, like as a marketer, like, I don't know. I like, I like Japanese fashion. So I've been yeah. digging into that. Ah, you gotta look smart. You gotta find an old pair of footscapes. But. That's what you got to look for. A Nike pair of old footscapes that like, that they did back in the day. That, I'll let you know. Yeah. Blazers are my favorite. I have a pair of, um, from 2008, I have a pair of the denim blazers. Like, Ooh. love them. And they have like the little tan patches on them. Oh. That is legit. Yeah, those are my, one of my favorites. Nice. Let's come out every now and then because, like, I don't want to ruin them. <laughs> blazers are not hype, you know. Blazers were never like the hype. I got them because, like, the story, you know. Like, I like things that aren't finished, you know. Like, just put it. Yeah. I, I dig that. I just bought, or I just got shipped uh, these, the three two sevens from New Balance. Yeah. Um, I actually thought that was a great shoe. Very different from New Balance. They, yeah, it, it, brand new silhouette. Um, yeah. I actually. Q and I have a newsletter and I just wrote about these specifically because they were, um, there were three different legendary silhouette for New Balance that came to make this shoe. Um, so these are actually extremely comfy. I wore them to help move uh, the other day and they're like the one of the most comfy shoes. You shoe wore I them to move. Yeah, right. Like, like that means like, I, I have too many pairs of shoes. That means. Right? <laughs> you <wore them> to <laughs> move. <laughs> And then yeah. I also traded for these, uh, which are OGs, the crawfish, crawfish dunks. I traded my buddy. I do not wear dunks, but I traded my pair of dunks for his pair of dunks. Uh, I love dunks. Yeah. I, I think my pair of dunks were just like black uppers, all black uppers with like a yellow sole. Um, and he was like, I'll grab these and I'll give you the crawfish ones. And I was like, at least these look cool when they're just sitting in the little box. Well, that's the whole thing. They pop. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, they're 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 really cool. Um I have the same size, man. All y'all wear the same size. I know. I know. We all wear the same size except <laughs> oh, Q. Uh, <laughs> so sad. Uh, and then I, I also have the um Gabriella shoe coming in on okay. Thursday. So 
we, um, my daughter was like, when she was growing up, she was like, please don't grow my, please don't make my foot grow. Please be the same size as my foot. Please be the same. Yeah. And like, she's the exact same size as me. And she's like, thank you, God. <laughs> like, what? And I see her like, God, like, don't go into that box. Don't go into that corner. Don't, don't that you know, and I see her like taking stuff out. I'm like, you have your own collection. Stay home. <laughs> you know, every now and then she'll be like, I need these. And I'm like, oh, no, you're breaking my heart. <laughs> No, don't, don't, don't crease them. You know, and I'm yeah. like, I'm like that parent, like, ah, don't want funny. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> well, um, Susan, we appreciate you jumping on the podcast. I'll keep you for like two seconds after, but um, okay. appreciate you jumping on the women in sneaker season. I appreciate you having me and hopefully women will uh, have a stronger voice and we'll see what we accomplish with the sisterhood. Definitely. I am honestly looking forward for the for the future after i think you're going to be our final episode so um i believe after hearing all this i think i think it's gonna be really powerful yeah and the one so thing thank I you again to, one thing i want to just put out there for other women the one thing is like which is my motto is i want other women to be nicer to other women her success doesn't make you unsuccessful so that's the one thing boys have a bro code you guys are all together. Like maybe you'll punch it out and wrestle and stuff, but girls have to band a little bit more together and, and be a stronger force for each other. And that, that's the one thing I want to leave with because I think if girls are nicer to each other, I think we'll succeed and break those barriers. Of that. We're leaving it at that. <laughs>